Well, welcome back for week three of our online experience. Uh, we hope you've been enjoying this. Again, we know this is not ideal for some, and this is kind of different, but uh, we've been having a good time. And so uh, today we're going to jump in in a passage in, in the book of John. Um, and really, as we talk today, uh, I want to talk to you about, man, what are we doing with our time, all of this time that we have all of a sudden? See, I know it's common for a lot of people. Silence can be awkward. Silence can be uncomfortable. For me, uh, when I'm going about my day, I don't really like there to be a lot of silence. Uh, if you come to my house, you know, I, I have something going pretty much all the time, whether it's the TV in the background or whether it's music going while I'm working. I just am not comfortable with complete silence. In fact, when Ashley and I got married, this was something, it was kind of difficult for me because when I was growing up and in high school and in, in college, I pretty much always had music playing even when I was falling asleep. And so when we got married, she didn't want that. And so I turned it off and I had to adjust and it was kind of, kind of difficult. A lot of people are uncomfortable with silence. For me, sometimes, you know, I, I'm just afraid of, of where my mind might go, what thoughts might come through my head if I'm in complete silence. Sometimes I just don't like wasting time and, and sitting in silence. I want to I wanna get work done. I want to listen to a podcast or, or make a phone call. See, if you're like me, it can be kind of hard to slow down, to turn the volume down on life. We want to keep going. It seems like busyness means we're successful at times, and that's just not always the case. You've heard these sayings, right? The early bird gets the worm, or time is money, or how about this one? Uh, you can sleep when you're dead. Whether you value slowing down life and silence or not, we're all kind of in a position right now where we've kind of been forced to slow down. We've been kind of forced into silence, staying at home, not being at work as much. And for a lot of us, it is probably uncomfortable. And so here's my question as we start. How do we make the most of this opportunity? Well, I want us to look at the movie, uh, one of my daughter's favorite movies, Tangled. Tangled is about the story of Rapunzel, the princess with the long, long hair. Uh, she has magic hair, and as a child, she is taken away from her parents, and she is kept in quarantine in a tower for 18 years. Two weeks doesn't seem quite so bad compared to 18 years, does it? But if you know the story of Rapunzel, there's a couple things, and there's a couple things she does to pass the time as she is quarantined in her castle all by herself. Uh, she does ventriloquism, which maybe that's something you can pick up during this time. Uh, candle making, paper mache. She paints on the roof of her of her tower or on the ceiling. Uh, she plays hide and seek with her chameleon friend named Pascal. There's a couple interesting things though about Rapunzel. Here's the first thing: is this during her 18-year quarantine, Rapunzel found love. So there's hope. Even as she was in the castle by herself, in the tower by herself, she still found love. So good things can happen while in quarantine. Here's the other thing that's, that's, that's crazy though about Rapunzel's story entangled. This has no spiritual impact at all, but it is so interesting, I have to share it. Do you know the name of the kingdom where Rapunzel is the princess? Corona. She's from the kingdom of Corona. She's quarantined for 18 years. It's like somehow Disney knew that this was going to happen. That's not a part of the message, I just had to share it, it's so interesting. But anyway, what I want you to do right now is this. I want you to share in the chat, what have you been doing to pass the time over the past couple of weeks? What are some new things you've picked up? And as you're typing, sharing those things, I wanna share a few examples that I've heard from different people about what they're doing during this time. A lot of people are cleaning and decluttering their homes, which is a great thing to do. A lot of house projects, painting a room, rearranging a room. 
I have some people, some friends that are learning some new skills. I have a friend that is picking up bread making, uh, sewing, dancing, even learning a foreign language possibly. Uh, maybe you're creating new habits, you know, making your bed every morning because you have time and you're there. Uh, doing the dishes every night, yoga, uh, reworking your budget finally. Here's a few more, maybe some ideas uh, that you can take and, and run with. Uh, maybe you read a few books that you've intended to read for a long, long time. Looking at pictures of puppies, why not? Uh, growing a coronavirus beard. I don't know about that one. Uh, completing a large puzzle. You can write some actual letters to family and friends. I like this one. Turn on a soap opera, but mute the sound and create your own dialogue. That could be cool. Finally, you can learn the words to your favorite rap or R&B song and impress your friends when you get to hang out again in the future. See, there's a lot of things we can do with this time that could be good for us. We can take advantage of this opportunity. We can all agree that this pandemic, this has made life difficult. This has thrown our, our, our world completely off track. We're having to navigate life in a way that none of us expected to do. But I wanna challenge us today to maximize the moment. Maximize this moment. Take advantage of this opportunity that you've been given. So what I'd love to do is read out of John chapter 13. And just if you'll turn there, John chapter 13, we're going to start uh, in, verse, in verse 33. And so again, in the midst of it all, we don't want to miss this opportunity. Here's kind of some, some backstory on what's going on before we read this. Uh, Jesus, this is the night before Jesus would give his life on the cross. Uh, he is having the, the, the final a meal with his disciples, the Last Supper. He has just washed the disciples' feet. Uh, and then Judas has just left the dinner to go and bring the guards to Jesus about to betray him. And so in this moment, the disciples, they know something's going on. They can feel that things are about to change. They don't know why Judas just left, but they can tell that, that things, are, things are different. Things are about to change for them. And so it's in this moment that Jesus says this. John 13, starting in verse 33, he says, Little children, yet a little while I am with you. I wonder how they felt about being called little children. Probably not great. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. And then he dropped something on them that would change everything. Verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. See, again, this time was probably confusing. It's probably scary. It was probably uncomfortable, filled with awkward silence for these disciples, because they're not sure what's going on here. But Jesus has a purpose for this moment. He maximized this moment by saying something that would change the course of history for a long time, right, after, after this moment. So here's one, thing, here's one thing we know. Jesus says he gives a new commandment. Now, those of you who know your Old Testament well, you know that a commandment would not have been a new thing to these disciples. There were 10 commandments that God originally gave, uh, and then the Hebrew people would add about 600 more laws onto those 10 commandments. So following rules was not new for these guys. This was normal. But at another part in the Gospels, Jesus says, I've come to fulfill the law, and now a new commandment I give to you. That is to say, the way you've been living up to this point, it's about to change. And now this is the commandment that I give to you. You should love one another as I have loved you. 
If you were to go to a friend and, and uh, maybe call him on the phone since you can't see him in person and ask him, say, hey, how would you define a Christian? I wonder how quickly they would get to, get to this answer and say, oh, you know, I think Christians, when I think of Christians, they're just loving people. They're really patient. They're really kind. They care about me, even though we disagree on things. I don't think many people that are not church people would say that very quickly. I think most of the people we ask would say something like, you know, well, Christians are those people that, um, and they're against a lot of things. They're the ones on TV that are picketing all these things, and they're, they're kind of hateful. Like they're kind of looked at, they're kind of known for their political stances and stuff and not so much caring for people. So Jesus made it very clear what we should be known by. So what I want to do is take this verse and pull out just a few thoughts that I think really apply to us and can help us maximize the moment during this, this season of quarantine, however long this might last. All right, so here's the first one. This love that Jesus talks about, this love is, is defined. This love is clearly defined. Jesus says, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Jesus defines how this love should look. See, without definition, there is no distinction. And so Jesus defines it for us. As Christians, we don't get to define what love means to us. We don't get to do that. A lot of people in our world, that they say, hey, we leave it up to each person to define what love is. But as a Christian, we don't get to define what this love looks like. People in the world today, they go to a lot of different places, a lot of different things to try to find love. Some people, they go to clubs, they go to relationships, they go to culture, they go to material things, they turn to politics, all sorts of different things. But Jesus is very clear on what love should be. Our world takes it to a couple different extremes. Some people believe that love, it's about accepting and affirming everything to the point that uh, really love has no meaning at all. And they believe, well, as long as, as, long as everybody's happy, they have their own truth, they can define what love is for them, then, then every, everybody's good. The opposite extreme is some believe that love is about correcting and rebuking and being against everything and always being right. That's what love is. But no, Jesus defines it very clearly. He says, as I have loved you, you are to love one another. So how did Jesus define it? Well, at this point, the definition is not quite complete yet. The disciples have seen Jesus love people in a variety, in a variety of different ways. You know, he spent time with uh, sinners and tax collectors, people that, you know, uh, the church leaders did not think he should be spending time with. Um, he would heal people all the time, and he would, he would make it very clear by his actions that uh, caring for the person is much more important than caring about the specific laws. And so people over rules. So they had some examples on what this love should look like, but it was not fully developed yet. In fact, this new kind of love would not be on full display until the following day when Jesus would be led to the cross. At that moment when Jesus was on the cross, we would have a full display, a clear definition about what Jesus means when he says, as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Jesus says, yeah, I just washed your feet, and that was kind of gross and awkward, and yeah, it was a display of, a humble display of servant love, but tomorrow I'm going to give you an even bigger picture, an even more demanding display of what love really is. First John 4.10 says this, And this is love, not that we have loved God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the replacement, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So, this love is defined. So here are a few questions. It'll help us understand if our definition of love lines up with Jesus's definition of love. Does my definition of love bring others closer to Jesus, or does it limit others from encountering Jesus? Does my definition of love place a pre-existing idea, opinion, or belief above another person? Does my definition of love lead me to action? So, first thing we see about love is it is clearly defined by Jesus. Here's the second thing we see. This love is developed. This love is developed. It's not something that, that you're, you're saved by grace and all of a sudden you know exactly what it means to love people like Jesus did. It's something we learn. It's something we grow into. In fact, I believe if you're still walking, talking, living, breathing on this planet, you still have some development to do in your heart so that you can look even more like Jesus did. It's something we are always working on. I love what Peter says in the very next verse, in verse 36. So Jesus says, they will know you're my disciples if you love one another. And Simon Peter asks him, hey, Lord, where are you going? Like Jesus just dropped this major bomb on them, but Peter kind of, he's like, yeah, I love one another. I get that. But like, I want to focus on what you said the first before where you said like, we can't come with you wherever you're going. Peter's like, Jesus, just tell us where you're going so we can come with you. And so Peter kind of misses what Jesus is saying, but Peter asks a really, really good question. I don't think he meant it this way, but this is a great question for us to ask. And that's simply, Jesus, where are you going? Jesus, I want to follow you wherever you're going. That is a, that's a great and bold question to ask. And if we're willing to actually hear the answer from Jesus, he is going to lead us where he wants us to go. And if we continue to follow him every single day, this love will develop in us. And so another question for you is this, are, are you getting better with age? Are you getting better as you grow older, no matter how old you are? Or are we seeing the opposite in your life? Of course, we want to see people saved and come to, come to know the Lord. Salvation is our goal, but it would be really unfortunate to let Jesus change our eternity, but not change our mentality. It'd be really unfortunate. And so we should be the kind of people that as we are following Jesus and he's changing our hearts, that our mentality, the way we see things, the way we see people should be changing a little bit as well. Here's an example. So uh, in student ministry, we are, we are having to develop all the time. We're having to learn new things and adapt to things all the time. The past few weeks, we have adapted the way we do church. It looks completely different because we had to. Times changed, things happened out of our control, and we had to adapt. And so in student ministry, this is normal for us. Uh, just since the first of the year, we have had to learn about TikTok, not Tic Tacs, but TikTok. If you don't know what TikTok is, it's kind of the biggest social media platform for middle school and high school students right now. It's all based on video and music and dancing, and man, it can be goofy, but it can also be a lot of fun. So if you're walking through the store and you see a young person with their phone out and they're just like doing a random dance, they're, they're probably on TikTok. So we've had to learn what that's all about because that's where students are right now. We've had to learn a lot of new phrases like lit, or yeet, or low-key, or no-cap, or spill the tea. And if you don't know what any of those things are, go find a young person. They can tell you what all of those things mean. We've had to learn recently how to live stream on our own in student ministry so that we can still have our services and so we can still stay connected with students during this crazy 
time. Here's the thing is a lot of times when we're confronted in areas of our life where we need to adapt or change the way we think, oftentimes we kind of get defensive a little bit, right? Um, for me, maybe it's just me, but I'm pretty quick to give an excuse. Like if I'm not willing to adapt or like if I don't agree with how something is going, I'm pretty quick to give an excuse as to why I'm doing things the way I'm doing it. But I want to show you something about the context of when Jesus made this statement. See, right before he makes the statement, Judas, one of his 12, gets up and leaves to go betray him. And Jesus knew exactly where Judas was going. Immediately following this, he would tell Peter, hey, you know what, Peter? You're about to betray me as well. So Jesus understood better than anybody the reality that in life, people will do things for selfish reasons that will impact you and make your calling and what you want to do in life a lot more difficult. But it's in that moment where Jesus still said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. If we continue to defer the blame onto other people, we will never develop to where God wants us to be. So, are there any underdeveloped areas when it comes to loving like Jesus in your life? Have you ever eaten food that's really undercooked? Yeah, it's gross, isn't it? Sometimes you can't tell right away, but about an hour later, you know that something's wrong. It makes you sick, right? I think there are a lot of Christians who we go out in our day-to-day life and we are we're underdeveloped. We're not where we need to be. Our heart is not in the place where God needs it to be for his glory, to, to further his kingdom like we are called to do. And so, man, take advantage of this moment, maximize this moment and say, God, where, where do I need to develop more in my heart so I can be more like you, so I can love like Jesus did? I don't want to miss out on my opportunity. So this love is defined. This love develops. Third thing is this. This love redefines. This love redefines. If, you, uh, if someone asks you and they say, hey, uh, tell me about you. Let's say you meet somebody for the first time and they say, tell me about you. You start telling them about who you are. So I might say, well, you know, my name is Tyler. Uh, I have a family, I have a wife, and I have a daughter who's a toddler. Um, I'm a pastor at a church. I live here. Like I may say all these things. How quickly do we get to what Jesus says here? How quickly do we say, well, I, I, I'm a disciple of Jesus and my goal is to love people like Jesus did? How long does it take us to say, that's who I am? You see, for so many of us, and this happens to everybody if, if we're not careful, we start defining ourselves by what we do, the accomplishments we've made, the things we're proud of, and the thing we should be known for more than anything else falls way down the list. Jesus says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I shared this verse with you a couple weeks ago out of Romans 8, uh, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. See, our identity at its core is we are sons and daughters of the living God. One of the reasons why I'm uncomfortable with silence and just being alone for too long is I'm very quick to remind myself of my weaknesses and of my failures. This happens often. And the more time I spend focusing on my failures, the more I begin to identify as the failures in my, in my past. 
For some of you out there listening today, your identity may be in your work. Your identity may be in your career. Your identity may be in your paycheck. Maybe a paycheck that may not be coming in the future, at least as much as it used to be because of how crazy things are in our country right now. Of course, I hope and pray that that's not the case, but if our identity is in those things and all of a sudden we are not those things anymore, we may feel lost. We may feel like, I don't even know who I am anymore without my job, without my clients, without my paycheck. So our identity should be in who Jesus says that we are. So if we follow Peter's story throughout the rest of this gospel, man, I, I love Peter because I just identify so much with him. I think a lot of us can relate to Peter in a lot of ways. And so after Jesus says this again, Peter says, hey, Jesus, where are you following? And then Jesus would say, well, actually, Peter, you are going to deny me later on tonight. So then Jesus and the disciples, they go to the garden and Jesus prays. And then Judas shows up with the soldiers to arrest Jesus. And Peter, thinking he knows uh, what needs to be done, he gets up and he fights. He draws a sword and he cuts off the ear of one of the guards. Now, in my mind, I'm like, I think he missed because like surely he wasn't just aiming for his ear, but that the Bible doesn't, doesn't clarify that. But, but he cuts off the guy's ear and Jesus says, Peter, that's not the goal. That's not how this is going to go down. Put your sword away. Jesus picks up the, the man's ear and heals him. And then he goes willingly. He gives himself over to the guards. Peter's confused. He's beside himself. He doesn't under, understand at all what's going on. So Peter follows Jesus as he's being led away. And along that journey, there are three different people that we see that come up to, to Peter and confront him and say, hey, aren't you, I've seen you with him, like aren't you one of, his, one of his guys? And completely forgetting what Jesus just challenged him to do, he says three different times, no, I don't know him. You got me confused with somebody else. I don't know him. I'm not a disciple of his. No way. Denies him three different times the night, the night before Jesus would be killed. Of course, Peter, you know, as, as we looked at a couple weeks ago, Peter would eventually get to see the empty tomb on that Sunday morning. He would go to the tomb and see that Jesus was not there, still confused, still not sure what's going on, still feeling lost and hopeless. But then Peter gets to have breakfast on the beach with Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, Peter, you denied me three times, but I want to forgive you. And Peter says three different times, Lord, you know I love you. And then Jesus calls him. He says, Peter, you are going to be a leader of my church. We see in the first, first couple chapters of the book of Acts, Jesus ascends to heaven and the, the apostles are left and they pray and the Spirit of God descends on the apostles. They begin speaking and then Peter gets up on the steps of the temple and preaches to thousands of people. 3,000, over 3,000 people were saved that day and the church would grow and Peter would be looked at as the leader of the church to the Jewish people. So Peter could have easily allowed his failures to define him. And there were a lot of them. Peter messed up quite a bit, kind of like me, kind of like you. He could have allowed his failures to define him, but he, he hung on. He kept trusting, he kept believing, even when the moment was dark, even when the moment was scary and confusing. And Jesus gave him a second, a third, a fourth chance. And finally, finally, he identified as a son of the living God and said, God, Keep on developing me. Keep on making me better. Keep on changing my heart so that I can love the way that you did. And so I would hate for any of us to, to be kind of stuck during this quarantine and not ask the question, God, how can I maximize this moment? 
What is it in my heart that needs to be developed so that when this thing is all said and done and I can go back to work and I can go back to where you've called me to be, how can I love more like you have called me to love? So again, here's the challenge. Maximize the moment. Let's not waste this opportunity. This may shift some things for some of you for the next few years. For some of you, this may, this may put you on a total tra trajectory for your life based on what's going on right now. Did we ask for it? No. Did God know that this was coming? Yes. Will you maximize the moment and allow God to identify and develop something inside of you? We'll see. I hope so. But here's how we'll close this today. One more time, John 13, starting in verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one another. So, as long as this thing lasts, here's my challenge to us. Spend some time learning more about how Jesus loved. Ask God, which areas of your heart need to be developed? Skills? Sure, God wants you to develop skills too. But more than anything, God really wants your heart to reflect His. And then allow the love of Jesus to define who you are and nothing else. Let me pray for you today. Father God, thank you for another opportunity for us to just sit down and slow down and, and hear from you. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for these stories, God, that show the way you care for people. Thank you that we can connect with people who they were, they were side by side with you and yet they struggle to follow you as well. It makes us feel a little bit better about our struggles today. But Lord, as this whole thing is still going on, God, we are trusting you. And so God, my prayer is that everybody would, would take advantage of this opportunity, maximize this moment, invest in family the way that we have not been able to in a long time. Help us to get some things checked off of our to-do list that have been looming for a long time. But God, more than anything, would you encourage us and challenge us to just check our hearts. God, show us where in our heart that we need to develop and grow so that we can be better disciples of Jesus, so that we can love people like you have called us to love. And God, I pray that all of us, when this whole thing is all said and done, that we come out of this thing better than when we began. So Lord, we trust you with that today. And God, please keep, keep continuing, continue to keep us safe during this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.